In the latter half of June 1950, with the outbreak of America's first major conflict of the Cold War just days away, personnel attached to the U.S. Marine Corps headquarters in Washington, D.C., were looking backward rather than forward. These staff officers had their attention fixed on the ceremony that would commemorate the seizure of the fort at Derna on 4 July 1805 by a handful of leathernecks and a small army of Mediterranean mercenaries, the feat immortalized by the line to the shores of Tripoli in the opening stanza of the Marines' hymn. The commander of the U.S. Navy's 6th Fleet planned to send some of his Marines to dedicate a plaque at the site, still known to the locals as the American Fort, heralding that occasion as the first return of Marines to the scene of this triumph. In short, no one in the Marine Corps anticipated that within two months' time, several thousand of its men, organized into the 1st Marine Provisional Brigade, would be fighting a determined enemy in mortal combat in a distant Asian nation, the Republic of Korea. The story of how the Marine Corps met that challenge has formed an enduring part of its history, culture, and traditions. However, establishing the history of this opening campaign by the Marine Corps in the Korean War requires a more open and balanced telling, in more realistic terms, than one usually finds in the official histories and other post-war publications. The 1st Provisional Marine Brigade formed part of a large reinforcement effort by the U.S. Armed Forces, sent at the war's outset to turn back the invasion of the Republic of Korea, South Korea, by forces of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, North Korea. Although little indication emerges from Marine Corps reports, Considerable efforts by many combat units fighting at the same time as the Marine Brigade were needed to save the Republic of South Korea from catastrophe in the beginning stages of the conflict. There are a number of myths, or at least exaggerations, concerning the 1st Provisional Marine Brigade and its operations in the Pusan perimeter. The official history is especially problematic in that regard informing readers that the brigade had a large proportion of World War II combat veterans, that it was the fire brigade that saved the UN command and the U.S. 8th Army from destruction, and that it first validated the air-ground team concept of the post-war Marine Corps. None of these assertions is true. By 1950, few Marines at or below the rank of sergeant were veterans of the previous war, and even some staff sergeants had enlisted in 1945, too late to see the last Marine Corps battles of the Pacific War. As well, the brigade's three infantry battalion commanders and several of its company commanders lacked wartime experience commanding troops in the field, instead serving in ships' detachments and elsewhere. During the battle for the Pusan perimeter, at least five regimental-sized fire brigades were fed into the lines in order to sustain the quasi-mobile defense conducted by the 8th Army's commander, Lt. Gen. Walton H. Walker. The Marine Brigade was only one of these. Nor did the brigade take part in the early and most desperate stages of the fighting, arriving on the scene only after the initial assaults by North Korean forces had been repulsed and the defenders had gained numerical superiority. What's more, the Marine Brigade never fought under 90% strength, whereas the Army Infantry Regiments frequently were at 50-60% to 60% effectiveness. General Walker, because of his unfortunate death at the end of the year, 
he was killed in a traffic accident on 23 December, just north of Seoul, never received deserved recognition as commander of an army that saved itself at Pusan. As for air-ground team innovation, the brigade fought a mere 12 days on the ground during the period 6 August to 5 September 1950, whereas the two day fighter squadrons flew almost every day throughout the Pusan perimeter campaign and sortied with aircraft flown by aggressive pilots who would bomb and strafe anywhere there were targets. These sorties mostly supported the 8th Army, not solely the brigade, as asserted in the official history. In the interests of using a balanced approach, one must begin with an assessment of the state of the Marine Corps on the eve of this crisis and the ensuing conflict, evaluate the conduct of the month-long campaign, and then assess the telling of the tale, so to speak.